Hello, and welcome to Sherlock, from Adler to Amberley. An attempt to analyse all 56 of the Sherlock Holmes short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. In order. Starting with the first story, A Scandal in Bohemia, featuring the celebrated adventuress Irene Adler, and finishing with the final story of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes, The Retired Cullerman, where Holmes and Watson accept the case from Mr Josiah Amberley. Hence, from Adler to Amberley. My name is Carl Kopak, and I'll be presenting this irregular series along with a special guest as we attempt to assess the value of each tale of the canon. The Copper Beaches by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Holmes and Watson have had a hearty breakfast at 221 B Baker Street and they're having a chat about uh, the stories that Watson's been writing up um, such as, and there's a direct reference made to A Scandal in Bohemia uh, to The Man with the Twisted Lip to A Case of Identity, the Mary Sutherland issue and um, Holmes is critical of Watson because he thinks he's embellished these um, investigations to make them a story, which of course they are, rather than uh, a sort of lecture into the art of science and deduction. Um, Holmes isn't in a very good mood. He, he seldom is <laughs> in these stories and says to Watson, it makes no difference because all the great cases have gone. Look what I've been reduced to. And he mentions that, in fact, there's a woman called Violet Hunter who's going to be coming over um, at, t I think it's 10 a.m., to... Um, to ask if she should take a uh, situation as a governess in Hampshire um, because she's uneasy in her own mind about it. Well, Holmes agrees, you know, you never know. He mentions that the blue carbon call started with a, you know, a, a light, a light whimsy of a story and ended up as a bit as a major crime. So he agrees to it. Violet Hunter turns up and she is clearly intelligent. She's clearly incredibly attractive as well. She's got long red auburn, sorry, long auburn hair and uh, an unusual shade and Watson of course being Watson is very very charming to her and Holmes is just you know right what, what's going on then she relates the story that she's been asked that she's a governess and she's been looking for a um, uh, a new situation because her old employees have gone to Nova Scotia and therefore you know and she's quite poor and um, although she appears to live in Montague Place which is near the British Museum which I imagine wouldn't be cheap um she says that um, she goes to Westerways, which is the um, uh, a, a sort of recruitment consultant, shall we say, for uh, for um, for governesses. Now, a governess would normally attract about forty pounds a year. Again, not a great deal of money. It wasn't it wasn't a, a, a large amount of money, but it was better than most. Um, and she's called in by Miss Sopert, and she's introduced to a man called Jeffro Rucastle, who's a very hearty man, very large, stout man. Very, very jolly in his appearance. Can't stop giggling and laughing. But the second he sees Violet, he practically freezes with joy and says, yes, I want her. She's, she's going to be my new governess. And immediately set offers her £100 a year, which is two and a half times the rate as it is. Of course, Violet is, well, clearly, that's, yes, I'm, I'll be, I'm all about that. That's fine with me. But then he says, look, I'm married, um, uh, Mrs. Rucastle is um, a faddy woman, very, you know, well, well, well kind-hearted, but faddy, he says. Um, and she's got some caveats about taking the role, but they're, they're very minor things. And she says, well, such as, says, would you be happy to wear this dress if my wife asks you to? She says, yeah, of course I can do that, it's no problem. Um, would you um, be told to sit here or there if my wife asks you to do so? Yep, come £100 a year, I think I can do that. But then she says, "Would he says, would you be happy to cut off your hair, your long copper-coloured hair? And at this point, Violet bulks at the idea. No, that's too much. It, it, it's a pride and joy. And Rucastle says, OK, well, that's a shame. And at that point, um, Mrs Soper takes it to one side and says, do you want to be kept on the books because you've just turned out the, the job of a lifetime, stop wasting my time, etc." Violet goes home, thinks she might have made a mistake, and the next day she's absolutely convinced she has. She's very, very unhappy with herself, and she decides to go back to Westerway and see if she can get back in touch with Rue Castle and take the job. She doesn't have to, and the end, because Rue Castle wrote to her that day, 
um, and said, look, you're absolutely perfect for us. If we raise the money to £120 a year, will you cut your hair off and come down? Now, the job doesn't seem to be a very, very difficult one. There's only one child to look after. And um, the house is in, in, is in Winchester. It's a very, very nice place. Um, the servant's there. And it doesn't sound like a particularly um, you know, tiresome job. So she agrees to go down. She's went to see Holmes just to sort of sound him out more than anything else. And she said, what do you think? And Holmes says, it's not a job that I would um, like any sister of mine to take. He's instantly suspicious there's something going on. He might have a point. Um, so they they part, and um, Violet goes down to Hampshire. Um, Watson and Holmes talk about it afterwards, and Holmes says, I've no doubt she's going to be back in touch with us soon. He's just unhappy in his mind. And, of course, he's right. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a story. <laughs> so he goes, uh, she gets sends them a telegram saying, please meet me at the Black Swan Inn in, um, in Winchester, which actually exists, and, um, well, existed at the time. Um, I'm at my wit's end, she says. So they go down there the next day. She says she's only got a small amount of time to talk to them because the Rucastles are all going away on a visit and she's got to return at three o'clock. She then relates a story about what's happened since, since she's been there. She's learnt a few things. So she initially thought that Mrs. Rucastle was a lunatic and therefore, you know, must be entertained in a certain way. Um, unless, you know, she, she panics or anything like that. And she's wrong. Mrs. Rucastle is is very sane, but also quite miserable. She's found her crying a few times, very stern, hardly ever laughs, and definitely never smiles. Um, and she's unhappy with that. The little boy, um, Rucastle Jr., is horrible. She says he's got, I don't know why I find this amusing, he's got an abnormally large head, he's six years old, and he's very, very cruel to small animals. And they, I know they say that about serial killers, that's how they start being cruel to animals. Rucastle finds it hilarious and laughs about him, him killing cockroaches with a slipper uh, when he's so young. And he also tells them that they, uh, he has a daughter by his first wife, uh, because Mrs., the current Mrs. Rucastle is very young, um, under 30 certainly, and his daughter Alice um, has gone away to Philadelphia and, and got married, so there's only um, not aren't many of them in the house. The servants are Mr. and Mrs. Toller, um, and Toller is basically a drunkard. Mr. Drunk and Mr. Toller's a drunkard, and he looks after a mastiff called Carlo. And Rue Castle says he's my he's my master, but to be honest, he's really Toller's because Toller's the only man who can get anything to do who can get him to do anything. The dog is quite wild, which, of course, is going to come into play a bit later on. The story gets even stranger after that. The first day that the, um, Violet is called into the drawing room, uh, told to wear a beige dress, and obviously she's cut her hair because 120 quid a year, and um, she's told to sit in a particular chair. Rucastle then entertains her, and he's a funny man. You know, he makes her laugh a lot, and... Um, she said she she was exhausted with, with laughing. His, and, but, of course, Mrs. Rucastle did not smile at all while this was going on. Um, she's um, And then she's pretty much dismissed from the room. She thinks, that that's a bit weird. Why is that? She goes back to her room and starts, as she says, amusing myself by moving the furniture around to full life. And... Um, she she's brought down the sort of the tresses from her own hair. She obviously she, she got her hair cut off, and but she's kept it in a ponytail, as it were, and put it at the bottom of her of her trunk. She tries a, a few drawers of the, her new furniture, and she's astonished to find that there's another tress of her exactly the same colours as hers, and bound in the same way, like a ponytail snipped off almost. That really freaks her out. Fair enough, I think I'd say. Um, that completely stuns her. Um, then um, she finds, has a look around the house and a few days later and finds that there is a sort of mystery wing of the house. So obviously, this is a very Victorian thing, and, and this happens a bit later on in the, in the, the, the story The Golden Pond's Nay, where, you know, there's a mysterious uh, wing in the house and priest holes and what have you. Um, and um, she mentions it to, to Rue Castle, who says, you know, don't go there, you know, that's, that's a private thing, don't do that. Uh, and one day, she's walking quite close to it, and she sees him come out, coming out and locking a door, and he storms past her. He's not rude, he just walks past her and ignores her. Um, a bit later on, he takes her to one side and says, I'm really sorry, I, I, I keep photographic equipment in there, and, you know, um, obviously not true. So she gets more and more um, suspicious about what's going on. 
Toller then um, inadvertently leaves the keys lying around to the mystery wing and Violet Hunter, being a Violet Hunter, says, well, I think I'll have a little sneak around and see what's going on there. It's a very earless, sort of shadowy place in there. There's a skylight which throws strange light around the place. And she's petrified, absolutely petrified. when she, And she storms out, and she storms right into, into Rue Castle. He feigns concern, you know, are you okay? Um, why do you think I keep you out of there? Honestly, it's a really strange thing, etc. But he overdoes it, and it becomes more sinister and a very passive-aggressive, I told you to stay away. And then, there's, of course, there's a reminder that the dog is wild. And, you know, stay away. That really throws Violet, and therefore she gets in touch with Holmes and Watson, who duly arrive um, at 11.30 in Winchester. But she also relates another story. She's called into the living room again for the, pretty much the same performance. Rue Castle's very funny, and um, Mrs. Rue Castle isn't smiling. And she decides that um, this, she's, she becomes very uneasy at this, and she's sat um, with her back to the window, and she's aware that of something going on behind her, and she doesn't know what. So when this happens again, she decides to take a piece of broken mirror glass um, and disguise it in her in her handkerchief, and she has a quick look, and she sees a man standing outside the gate, looking into the house. Um, Mrs. Um, Rucastle is almost Holmesian in her observations, though, and knows that something's not right. She suspects something's not right, so she calls attention to the man and says, "Look, there's an impertinent fellow there, um, looking in." Um, Miss Hunter, would you like to turn around and usher him away? Strange thing to do, obviously, because she could just do that herself. Otherwise, he'd be always looking in. So she turns around and ushers him away, and the man leaves. And she thinks this is very, very strange indeed. Again, she's got a fair point. Holmes listens with a great deal of interest to this story, and of course he's right, there is something going on with which he's not happy. He surmises that there is a prisoner kept in the um, in the wing, and it's very probably the daughter. He doesn't know the full story, but he uh, concocts a plan because he knows Rucastle is away that night on a visit and um, Toller is drunk, so they can easily break into the mystery room and find out what's going on. They're not in there for very long when um, Rucastle comes into the room and they're looking around and he immediately accuses them of finding the daughter, Alice, and absconding with her, um, as it were, and he goes off to find the dog. The dog is, of course, been starved for two days, and there's a great deal of concern here. And Watson very, very bloody just says, it's okay, I've got my gun. Second the dog turns up, it goes for them, and <laughs> Watson very, very graphically says, I blew its brains out. Um, this pretty much breaks Rue Castle, to be honest. And then Mrs. Toller comes in, and she's basically... <laughs> she's in the deus ex machina, really, of uh, machina of... Of, of what's going on. She says, if only she knew that the plan was to go and release, release um, Alice. Alice, as as she as Holmes predicts, um, basically was in love with the man who would, would visit the house and stare in, to, to the, um, stare in through the window. Violet Hunter looks not unlike her. She's very, very similar in many ways. And from a distance, she would probably think that it was Violet turning around and ushering away because she's absolutely fine. Nothing to see here. The reason that... Rucastle kept his daughter captive is because once um, she wanted he wanted Alice to um, give him some the, some money even though she was married to this she was going to be married to this man Mr Fowler um, who bizarrely um, Mr Fowler um, Holmes says you know obviously uh, as a sailor never even seen the man but there you go but he's a sailor apparently probably because they're near Southampton and um, Home says so, yeah, so. So basically, Mrs. Toller says, "Yes, you know, he was. He was. He just wanted to keep her, just to keep hold of her money." Again, this is a similar things we've we've seen this before. And um, Watson ends the story by saying, "It's um, Rue Castle was pretty much a broken man. He kept the same staff regardless of what had happened, and is looked after by his wife. But um, all of his plans are sort of just dashed, and he's got an empty life." The story ends with um, Watson, who's clearly fascinated by Violet Hunter, saying that it's just a shame that at the end, Watson had no interest in her whatsoever. And that is the adventure of the Copper Beaches. Our guest this week is Kyle Glazebrook. Kyle was educated at Cambridge University, as of course was Sherlock, although that is open to some debate. 
Um, but it wasn't long before Kyle decided that academia wasn't really for him. And uh, he's decided to retrain and become an interior decorator and a project manager. Kyle has very much enjoyed the Sherlock stories from a very early age and was a member of the London Society. Um, he lives in East London with his wife and two children and just had his his 40th birthday recently while we're all in lockdown. And they made him a Sherlock clue trail um, and made him dress as the, as the great man himself just to show just how much Kyle loves his Sherlock Holmes. This man likes his Sherlock Holmes. Kyle, thanks very much for coming on the show. Um, this is a bit of an unusual... If you, I mean this nicely. You're a bit of an unusual guest for us because... Um, I pretty much press-ganged you into coming on the show uh, when you very foolishly sent me an email to say that you enjoyed the show. So uh, <laughs> so thanks very much. I, I said on Twitter yesterday that um, anyone who does anything as silly as that, we don't mess about on this podcast. Suddenly you're in talking about a show that's uh, talking about, uh, you know, an, an old story or so. So thanks very much for coming on. We do appreciate it. No problem. Absolute pleasure. No, thanks for having me on. I should also apologise as well uh, about my ludicrous uh, admin skills. So just to sort of peer behind the, the you know the, the curtain a bit here of what we do on this show, um, I have a spreadsheet with guests' names written on certain shows, and yours has been on there for I'd say about five months. <laughs> and then what I chose to do for the Beryl Coronet is not look at that at all and gave the show to Rob Nunn instead. So when you sent me an email saying, right, Carl, I'm ready for the barrel coronet. And I thought, I'm, see I'm speaking to Rob tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> that's too much. So I just really hope you haven't done acres of research on the barrel coronet and only to be told, right, hope you like the Copper Beaches, because <laughs> here it is now. Don't worry, he did very well. Uh, his CV was much more... Uh substantial than mine as well as far as Sherlock Holmes went I was very impressed with that yeah well, I have no CV at all when it comes to Sherlock at all so <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean I mean we said in the intro there um just just to introduce you that um uh well well let, let's start with the main question shall we I, even though I, I've hinted at it broadly um why did you when and why did you why why Sherlock what's going on oh looking back I think the big thing for me was um my first impression was young Sherlock Holmes, the film. Okay. Which, looking back, I can't believe... I actually went to the cinema to watch that, and I think I must have been six, which seems quite wow. young, because it's quite a dark story, looking back. Very. Um, no nightmares, but it was... I, I enjoyed it, but I knew of Sherlock before that film, if that makes sense. Probably okay. just media or things like that. Then after that, I really got into the... Um, the audio books on cassette with um, originally Robert Hardy narrated. Yes, yeah, I remember them, yeah. Um, which I really enjoyed. I thought they were fantastic. And then um, I must admit, I don't think I actually read a Sherlock Holmes story until my early 20s, probably actually reading it. Um, but the big thing for me was the, uh, the Burt Calls canon. Uh, which would have been probably in the mid-90s I got it. My dad bought the cassettes um, and I sort of got, listened to them after a while. And then I remember for my 24th birthday, I got the complete Canon box set, probably the best ever present I've ever received, I think. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say you're in my wheelhouse so much as sitting on my lap in that wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, right slap bang in the middle of it. I'm, I'm um, as I've hinted at more than once. Uh, Cl Clive Merrison is my Sherlock. William Williams is my is my Watson. And even Andrew Sachs, which I hate saying the word, even Andrew Sachs, who's a fantastic actor, um, yeah. he's a pretty good Watson as well. I mean, he's got his own Watson, and it works really well. And I like him straight yeah. away. But Michael Williams is my Watson. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. I um. <clears throat> I think they have the advantage of um, you still have the imagination while you're listening to them, rather than which Jeremy Brett was fantastic, don't get me wrong, and um, other homes in the past. But when you're listening to something, it still gives you the idea of the imagination and the way the Beeb did it, uh, the dramatised, the cameo appearances, even the most average story was I would say minimum seven, maybe an eight out of ten. The way they did it on yeah. that um, production, it was fantastic. And it's also very clever the way they 
changed because um, obviously some of some of the stories are very very difficult to dramatize i mean we, we had rob last week saying about sorry on the last show saying about the veil lodger um and what, once again this has happened he said he, he he doesn't like it i've always quite liked it and now i'm starting to go against it a bit just because he said so thanks rob uh and um he says all that story is man goes to see woman woman sends him something that's the entire that's the entire show yeah so it's really hard to dramatize that yeah and even on the memoirs where they sort of pull Watson in um you forget that watson actually is just sitting down in 221b listening to Holmes talk about it but only do you realize he doesn't do a huge amount but no. the way they do it it's fantastic it's so warm um it's so likable um it's difficult to describe I know it sounds very deep this my love for I, I think I've listened to some people have Star Wars I've probably listened to all those shows so many times I've lost count how many times I've listened to Silver Blaze for instance um and some of the most average stories, for example, on paper, some people haven't got much time for the three Garadebs. On the BBC version, Clive Merrison um, and Williams, it's fantastic. It's quite emotional, actually, the way it's, re it's really sad. The bit where um, we're getting way ahead of ourselves in the canon, but who cares? Um, the way uh, Merrison, um, when they visit the asylum at the end, and he just says, I, I hate these places. They're just full of people whose life have left behind. Yes, it's yes. really sad, and I don't want to do discredit to uh, Cone Door because you know he he invented the the whole thing. That that doesn't always come off the print. Um, no, that depth of emotion, I think. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, um, it, it's difficult really. And then after that, um, it's I've got a lo lo loads of time for Jeremy Brett's. Even the modern day Sherlock's really enjoyed that because. Anything that helps people sort of keep the legend alive, I think is brilliant, really. It, it is fantastic, yeah. So we're, I like this, because we're coming in at exactly the same point. I was about the same age as you, and yeah. uh, we're both obsessed by the Clive Merrison versions. Um, John, am I allowed to say this yet? Shall, shall I break the, break the fourth wall about a guest we may have coming on? Oh, I don't know. Um, is it a bit soon? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because he has said yes in principle. He is gonna do it, but it looks like it looks like we've got Burkles for um, uh, the final problem in the empty house. Oh, fantastic! As a double header, and it's as a double header. And um, I mentioned that to Leslie Klinger, and Leslie Klinger said, "Can you let me know when that's coming if you need me as well?" So I think that's gonna be one on the show where me and John are gonna go for a pint, and then we're just gonna let them talk with the microphones going for a bit. Uh, about about those two. That's in. That's what Bert said. That's okay. He's he's very very keen to do it. Last time I spoke to him. Um, but as you can imagine, when I wrote an email to Bert Cools and he replied, I just I felt so bad because I was just thinking, right, let's start with some questions. <laughs> the um, I, I mean, if anyone is new to um the Bert Cools um BBC version, if what well, once they did all the short stories and once they did the novels. He wrote the further adventures, you know, with, with the extra stories and the hints and the madness of Kevin Warburton and that sort of thing. And, I, and I've said this to, to Bert, his version of the Ab Abergavenny murder, where it's literally just two people, it's Holmes and Watson, and they don't leave the room in Baker Street. Apart from, obviously, a man comes up and dies in front of them, and they work out what's happened to him. Yeah. And to write like that, as, 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 a, as a writer myself, I'm not any, anywhere near that good. That, to me, is just so hard to do and I've, I've sent him so many questions i must have bored the poor man which was i hope he isn't that bored but please come on um and he's just i don't think he gets the credit he deserves burt cools i really don't no i agree especially that story that, that's, that's a work of art the abigail of any murder uh, the way the the drama just from three or two and a, and a uh as a one-line cameo almost yeah um that's brilliant but um there's some other ones in there i mean it's interesting what he did with the um the train cormoran which he did uh marley, marley yeah. he made it into a two-parter yeah which was really good and some of the guests they have on i mean obviously you had andrew saxon as watson i think hugh bonneville's in that one i mean it's brilliant um you have your imagination. Obviously, you never took on who's going to take on the Rat of Sumatra, but um, <laughs> one day I have to leave that one. I think um, some things are best 
you know, not ready for this world, Watson. Um, but they are they are fantastic. Even the music by uh, I think it, Leonard Friedman, the uh, the horn team. Yeah, 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 yeah. These these are all words I've heard many times. Yeah, by violin by Leonard Friedman. Yeah, all. And and actually, the directors, I think Enid Williams, Patrick Rayner, probably don't get the credit they deserve. Obviously, Bert Coors was there. So it's Neil Jenkins plays the maid in every single story. I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And every now and then you think, I know that voice. I know that yeah. voice, don't you? And uh, no, they're, they're brilliant. And the production, I was uh, I was lucky enough, just as a, a quirk of fate, when I just first moved to no uh, North London, I popped into my local pub and there was Clive Merrison, just out of sheer coincidence, and went over and bought him a pint. I really enjoyed that. Um, ticked at something off the bucket list there. And, was it really um, approachable? Yeah, he's a lovely guy, and uh, I think I think he's quite surprised that I was probably in my early mid twenties, dressed in a builder's uniform. That uh, you know, I'm not saying he was taking me as a stereotype or anything, but he was surprised, and I just thanked him for the years and hours of um, fun I'd had listening to him. His favourite case, he said, was Scandal. Um, he loved that one, um, and yeah, it was good fun, great fun. And um, really enjoyed it. Uh, I get the odd retweet from him if, if I've said something that he agrees with. Um, but the only message I've had was on I, I, it was his birthday and it said happy birthday to my favourite ever Sherlock. And oh. he sent me a thanks, thanks, Carl. And I don't think I've ever liked a tweet faster faster than that <laughs> ever. So my God, that's uh, um, now you're you live in East London. I've got a little quiz here for John, and this could go very very wrong. I've got to warn you, John. John, so you're on. This is producer John, Wikipedia John, as he's now known okay. on this show. Um, if you can tell me roughly where you're from in East London, obviously I've already practically given your birth date in the, in the introduction, which I apologise. Uh, he's, he's just turned 40. Um, I'm going to see if John can find a Jack the Ripper reference to where you live. Can you do that, John? I'll do my best. I'll do my best. John knows way more than I do on this subject. Um, so where are you from, Carl? Where do you live? Can I say? Yeah. Where I live now in East London, I'm in Forest Gate. I am. Take it, John. Um, That's hard, isn't it? I can't think of one. <laughs> can't even think where Forest Gate is. Um, Where's it near? I'll give you a clue. It's, it's basically West Ham. It's not far from Stratford. Um, Wanstead Flats. I'll give you a massive clue. I'm quite near a big cemetery. Oh, in that case. <laughs> ah, are you by Manor Park Cemetery? Yes, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Is where the grave of Annie Chapman is. Thank you very much. There we go. I knew we'd find a link somehow. <laughs> that, thank, you, thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> I still haven't been, you know. I've never been to any of the graves. I keep meaning to go. And I, I, um, I've been there. It's fantastic. I should go there more, but you can't take the dog there. And... Um, it would be strange to, to look for that grave, but um, I must admit, I'm tempted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think that's, I think that's one of the, the few ones where that she genuinely is there as well. I think I Googled it. Apparently, they, they can't commit to the act. There's a plaque. Yeah. Oh, is, that, is that the one they definitely can't do? Yeah, because I, I know the Mary Kelly one is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know which one. I'm, I'm going off piste here, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's more your guys' department, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we have to put a little ripper because because we're basically being recorded by hosted by Rippercast. We yeah. like to have a little wave to our friends occasionally, uh, and 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 drop in a bit there. Um, we're going to move on to the Copper Beaches. Um, the first question is always the same: Did you like it? I did. I did. Um, not as much as the Bill Coronet, but um... tough. Too late. <laughs> it's good. I would say. In a footballing reference, it's a mid-table case, I would say. Right. Um, it's good. It's got it's got plenty of adventure in it. Um, it ticks a few boxes for Conan Doyle. Um, looking back, he he loves a um, an inheritance stroke will story, doesn't he? Absolutely it? loves them. <laughs> I've, there's three big topics he loves. He loves a big duel. Uh, yep. <laughs> And he loves a government document. Yeah, big fan of that. And he loves an inheritance. And this is one of the inheritance stroke world. Well, can I add a couple of things to that as well? He loves a colonel. 
Yes, yeah, they're not always great, are they? No, no, they never do well. They never ever do well. But this one's like and Colonel Spencer Monroe just gets mentioned in this one. Yeah, but he's not, but he's not mad or a murderer. Um, no. He loves a governess. Yes, and he, re- and he really likes a violet. <laughs> Was that a popular name for the time then? Violet? Well, I, I, I read um, Leslie's notes on it yesterday. And he said there's four stories with violets in them, and if someone said, it's as if it's it's like an almost autofill. <laughs> I think if you're writing a Victorian story, well, someone's got to be called Violet. Yeah. On, that, that's why we're all here. And Mary. He liked to Mary as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did enjoy it. It's good fun. It's good fun. Um, it's dark as the solitary cyclist, but it's it's got, um, it's in the sort of same ballpark family as that. And I'd say probably case of identity. Sort please, of set up, please, please, say. don't please don't mention case of identity with, with John's around. I'm going to get. I'm going to, he's, he's typing an email now. I know it. I'm sorry, John, about case of identity. I stopped twitching. Someone's going to have to come. Yeah, it's it's. I if I've got a problem with it, it's um. I think it's an unusual end to the collection. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about this. Do you think someone gave them a nod? Because they mentioned in previous cases at the beginning. Do you think the publisher was, I don't know how, would they have said it's a nice way to bookend the series and then can you I, 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 don't, I don't even know if it's a thing, to be honest, because, you know, if, yeah. if, if, this is, if obviously he doesn't know it's a series. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't think cliffhangers, well, no, cliffhangers were a thing, weren't they? Because of, the, you know, the Penny Dreadfuls and things like that. They were, you yeah. know, you, you always build it up so you could write, jump on for the next one. Mm. Um, the only thing I can think about why he put it as the last story is, and we will cover this in some depth, is that Watson shoots something. Yes, yeah. It's a warm-up for the Hound, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Almost, yeah. And suddenly they become, because they're not, although, as Paul Edwards pointed out, that you know they are called the adventures. They're not altogether adventury, are they? I mean, John's favourite case of identity is always one I look at there, but there's not a great deal of um, running around with guns going on. No, no, but there, but there is on this one. In fact, I, I, again, I'm, I'm leaping ahead. I absolutely love where Violent Hunter goes into hysterics because she's they're bringing Carlo the dog out, yeah. and Watson just says, "Got a gun," <laughs> almost like that. <laughs> Got a gun. It's okay. I feel so. I feel sorry for Carlo. I must admit, I feel sorry for him. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it is um, on that. And then Rue Castle is a character. I mean, the problem, not the problem. Uh, I think. Um, the audio, um, Bert Cole's audio is fantastic. But I, whenever I listen to Rue Castle, but I imagine uh, Joss Ackland's face from the Brett stories. Yes. Because he's yeah. fantastic in that. Um, yeah, that, 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 he looks like him, yeah. He looks like Rue Castle to me. Yeah, so I, mad, I have the voice, and then I imagine uh, Joss Ackland's face, who was brilliant in that. And um, um, the other note I've made, I've put... Toller sounds like a lively drink. Yes, he'd uh, be quite a wild night out, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, As we say back home, a good pint. Yes, <laughs> a, a very good pint. Why not finish it before you get thrown out of the pub? But uh, yeah, yeah. But I, the big question I I've never understood is there's a big age gap. Is the child Rue Castles or is it Alice's? I think it's his. Do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've never even thought about it being Alice's. Oh, okay. I just thought with the age gap and then... Oh, but this is what, this is what happened with Rob. Now you're summoned doubts in my head. Yeah. No, no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right because they do say their child. Um, yeah. I, I think the canon explains it in the uh, in the story that it's the... She's the child from the first marriage. Yeah. Uh, and the, the six-year-old is the child from the current marriage. Oh, okay. Sour face, no, no sense of humour. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the the vinegar woman, <laughs> face like vinegar. Um, yeah, because she's and obviously she's a key part of it because she is so miserable and what have you. I did like the description. It's not a particularly nice description of that the child had an overdeveloped head for its body. Yeah, and then they 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 immediately sort of uh, link that with being evil, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and a poor child, obviously quite a sadistic child, but yeah. uh, didn't sound like it had a huge amount of attention. No. But, um, yeah, no. It's, it's, but I mean, it's it's a strange one. I mean, going back to Violet, um, 
she's obviously not bored in life, but she wants the danger money, doesn't she? Yeah. I mean, on paper, it's not an attractive proposition, is it? So you're offered, what, three times the, the going rate? And she's poor, and she makes a big deal about that. I've got one or two bills on the on the table. She's yeah. poor, even though she lives in Montague Place, which is Good Street. It's yeah, Barovia. that that's that's even back then that was uh, that, that that was a hefty hefty uh, rental mortgage on yeah. that. Yeah, and so the so look at the uh, the job opportunity here. So you've got to cut your hair, you've got to wear clothes that your boss dictates to you at 10 in the morning or things like that you to wear anyway because it's a uniform job i never quite understood that yeah and then a governess as well yeah it's it's i mean and then the going back home says the money's too good it's too good no yeah. sister of mine and i always thought that was quite emotional for him there to say that no sister of mine to take this job and then the 15 miles of country scared him. Yes, uh, I love that bit. Yeah, it always scares him more than more than central London, I think, doesn't it? And, yeah. then, and then he goes out, because he, he does this in quite a few stories as well, he says on something else, it's it's not the it's not the fact that it's not in town, it's, it's also not even near the train station. Yeah. Conan Doyle's really big on that, I think. Yeah, it's but she takes it and she goes through it and then... Well, this is the thing I mean to talk about is if you look at what she does, she thinks, right, I'm going to write to Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to go and see him and say, I've been offered this job. By the way, I've already taken it. What's she going to see him for? I mean, fair enough. Is this guy, I feel a bit weird because isn't that a bit odd that, you know, I've got to cut my hair off. Do you think this might be a bit weird? But she pretty much already says straight away. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I've taken it. I think she was... She obviously wants the money, and she knew she would say no if she saw Holmes before accepting it, didn't she? Yeah, she doesn't want to be spoke, t- talked out of it. Yeah. I think straight away. But at the same time, she wants to say, look, because I've got no family. But that's another thing. No one ever has family, ever, in Sherlock Holmes. No. That... That's a big thing. I'm thinking back to Victor Hatterley on the engineer's thumb, where the first thing he says, first thing you must know, I'm an orphan. Okay. Yeah, it's handy, that. So, think... so when you're killed, no one, no one's bothered. Fine, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's mortality it. Rate. Sorry, high Victorian mortality rate. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. But it's it's the fact that in, in engineer's Tom, it's the first thing he says. By the way, you must know that I'm an orphan, right? Okay, what's happened to your thumb, mate? <laughs> that, that would have been my question straight away. But but no, she she does that. Um, she, she does accept his job straight away um, yeah. b- before she, before going to see him. Um, there's a, there's another uh, this this is a typo, but and I only noticed it in the annotated homes. But this is fantastic. So she's there at ten o'clock in the morning, and as she leaves, she says good night, and that's that's just got so much fan fiction going around it. What was she there for twelve hours for? <laughs> I know it's a typo, but I love the fact that you can write reams and reams about this because I, well, let's get to the big issue here, Carl. I was, I was going to talk about the, the, the discussion at the beginning about um, where Holmes berates him, Watson, for saying, you know, that you should be writing lectures, not stories. But well, we might come back to that, but we've got to have a lot to cover. Um, this is the big one. And John, I want your input on this as well. Is she trying to get off with Sherlock? No, I don't, I don't agree with that. There's a big age gap there. She's come along. She, I think she's seen Holmes as a father figure, wants to get the green light. I, no. I, I disagree with it too, but having read the sort of, you know, the, the, the little comments every now and then, the fact that I said that I speak some French and German, which of course he does as well. <laughs> you want a spin-off, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, love, I love the fact that there's an essay about it called Violet the Hunter. Yeah, that, that's uh, good. I there's like every it. chance they just wrote that essay just so they could get that title in. Yeah, I like that. You're on competition for uh, Irene, don't you? But, uh... <laughs> I, I think she wants to be taken on as a feisty sidekick. Well, like, like Elementary with Lucy Lowe. Yeah, I think she wants to be... You know, I, think, I think she wants to replace Watson. Because, um, you know, she's more observant than Watson, you know. 
It's not, it's not difficult, is it, though? <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point. I love Watson, by the way. Again, we say this every single episode. We are doing this from a position of love when we yeah. criticise these stories. Exactly. But, well, in preparation for this, I must admit, has... Because I'm going back, I didn't read a huge amount of the Holmes until in my early 20s, and I listened probably 80% of the time and then go back to the text. Especially, I know it's an ongoing theme, that the, the long stories... But have has Burke Calls exaggerated Watson's intelligence for the plays, do you think? I I think he's done the opposite. I think what he's done is move him away from Nigel Spruce. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool. I don't know. So, I know what you, I know what you mean though, because he's what yeah. what Watson is more is he seems more world wise. Than the one in the book, he basically just sits and goes, I can make head and a tail of it, Holmes, and then you know, oh, right, it's this. Yeah. Whereas in the book, you know, we, we know in the stories, like what's in his face, in, sorry, in the Burt Cool stories, he's very, very feisty. And you know, he will dress him down. And you know, when, when Holmes upsets the servants, he really, really, Holmes, you know, he, he'll do that yeah. a lot. And yeah, which, which he does less, though. And you would trust Watson in the in the uh, the canon on the BBC uh, as an actual doctor. I don't think I'd want Bruce. Um, doing a medical on me, for example. I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure you'd hold the stethoscope the right way around. No, exactly. Whereas Williams, I, I'd trust them to do an open heart surgery. Yeah, here yeah. and now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but um, yeah, I think, but then looking back and reading the actual text, has, has he, the, but I like that. I like the way they give um, Watson that almost refereeing of it. Yeah, it, it is that. But let, let, let's go to Watson Watch because I think is the the first twelve stories is a lot different to the rest of the canon as involves Watson because obviously this is all about setting up. They've met, they get on, which is a big thing for them to do. They really get on, yeah. And and now finally, um, we we you know we've got that scene in in um, Study in Scarlet where he says to you know Watson, you know, we need a doctor here. Can you help out? And that, you know, then they get on because of that. Um, but in it's only in the Copper Beaches where he actually gets involved in a case and saves a life, which I know he does a bit more later on. Yes. But um, it's, this is the first time he's actually done something. And and I think it works really well. I think I like the fact, I love that Watson line about him. It's okay, I've got a gun. Just because, you know, you are worried for him. You, yeah. are, you are worried for, for, for Violet. And it's I, when I read it last night, I thought, that's really Carmen. It's mm. really nice. And again, if you look at it, again, we had a thing with, with a few paces we've done already. If you look at some of the, the, the cases, Holmes doesn't actually do anything other than just turn up and gets to, and just says, oh, yeah, it's that, and that's it. Mm. Whereas yeah. this one, this, they, they go out. They go out in in the realm of danger in this one. As in, you know, we know this dog is mad. We don't know anything about these servants other than, you know, lighter. and um, and we know this man might come home at any second, and he's very, very dangerous. So that there's actually maybe maybe that's the cliffhanger then. Maybe this is the, the first story where they jump around a lot and you don't really get that in the red well, you do get it in the redhead league, but you know you don't get him in all of them. Yes, yeah. It's it's Watson the military man as well, isn't it? Which, it is it really is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because in the um speckled band he was he was a bit sheepish in that, wasn't he? I think. You thought, oh, is oh are we allowed to get our hands dirty almost? Yeah. And um, and he was taking uh, Sherlock as the lead almost. Um, so no, that I found that interesting. And maybe he's just warming up. Maybe maybe it is written in a well, which which is fair enough because that that's how characters develop. You know, he's not going to get him straight away. But, although saying that he did with Holmes straight away against Scandal and Bohemia, you know what that man's like. We discussed this with Neil of straight away cantankerous. Don't argue with me. Fancies himself a bit. Yeah. And, and brilliant you know immediately that's the case yes yeah i think it was that ex, uh, sort of excitement and uh, escapism of coming back to london wasn't it yeah and, um after studying scarlet because he, he hasn't got a huge part in that has it he you know apart from the lodger and things like that yeah and then going in he's warming up and he sees Holmes as sort of he can gamble a bit with Holmes, can't he rob be the safe doctor yeah i think also at this point as well you know they're friends because holmes is he's having a go at him 
he's really having a go for the first. I mean, he's nice about it, but he's like saying, you know, out of all the problems you picked, the, the only thing I could possibly say is that you pick some interesting ones where it, sometimes not even a crime is involved. But you, but you, you have picked them. I'm really pleased that you, you've spotted the, you know, the the slightly outre ones. Mm. But, but they're still terrible because you've written them as a story. But he is, he, they know each other well enough for him to say thanks, but that's that's you've done it wrong. Yes, yeah, and I like the way he um, at the end he he has a dig and says he never really mentions Violet again. And then he oh she did well to um she went on to become the headmistress of the school. Um, but I was very disappointed at Holmes. Maybe there was maybe there was a bit of fun there uh, for Holmes, and Holmes saw it as a as a fling. I don't know. Yeah. In your in your spin off with Carl Copac, uh, you know, um, <laughs> but <laughs> on Sky One in twenty twenty eight or something. It's it's the only TV program which features both Philadelphia and Walsall. <laughs> I'm going to cover both. It's very niche. It's very niche. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very, very niche Victorian detective service. <laughs> but maybe... With a woman with short hair, that gradually gets longer. <laughs> but he, he has a dig at him saying, we never followed that. He wouldn't have done that early on because he, he's known Holmes more enough now that he can... You can imagine him saying, have you, have you, have you heard from Violet recently? You know, um, as the weeks went on. But, um, I mean, going back, that's... I've I've had a not argument a, a, a discussion over a pint with some friends and especially uh, a good friend of mine who's a massive Morse fan, uh, not as much as Neil Atkinson, but um, a <laughs> fan. But that's what I love the most about Holmes: the way he says, "I'm a private consulting detective," so he's gonna have a few failures. Yeah, that's we like not only the antihero of the. Uh, of the cocaine homes but the chap who if someone just wins every single game it's not realistic you know you need a few draws you need a few losses and that's what Holmes has I mean Praro don't get me wrong great but you won't invite him round for a weekend of no no we've got a game we've got some bridge coming on later on do you fancy go Sherlock yeah or Jessica Fletcher you're not going to have a, a dinner party with her are you otherwise you're no. going to legal work sorted out but um that's what i love about homes you have the odd failure and um it's realistic and um that's what makes it fun i think well well spe- speaking of um of his ego um again i owe leslie clinging this because i didn't see it at all um sherlock gets a massive thing wrong and then says that he didn't so you know he's, he's talking about you know putting it through the skylight and thinking you know put, um uh, Alice through the skylight and stuff like that. And at the end, he says, "Oh yeah, I thought that would happen." Well, no, yeah. no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you, you didn't say that at all. How dare you say that? And he was sidetracked by the sun as well early yeah. on. Yeah, I think there's a bit of Sussex vampire in there. I think. Yeah. Well, also, the, uh, since you mentioned it, we should point out that they also have a dog called Carlo. Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. dogs are called Carlo. Yeah, that's right. It was the uh, Victorian Rover, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rex. <laughs> so, Carlo, Violet, um, there's no other names. No. Uh, I, again, I'll come back to Moriarty's, James Moriarty's brother being called James. Yeah, I like that. As well. Um, and Watson being called James, apparently. Yes, even by his own wife standard so we're not, we're not by, john where do you stand on this is violet trying to get off with sherlock i'm using a very very scarce term there i must admit i i i i think that um she's uh you know trying to get noticed i, I think she wants to be taken on as a plucky little sidekick as i yeah, said you agree as well yeah yeah I, I i i don't think she's um i don't think she necessarily fancies him because he wasn't famous at this point really was he no no what, what, what's fancies her obviously because she's a woman absolutely everyone he possibly you know with with his experience that stretches across three continents <laughs> i think i think if a scotsman in a kilt walked into two to one <laughs> <laughs> is there a scottish story i can't believe there is actually um there's a basil rathbone um radio program set in scotland no i can't think of any because no i don't know there is did you think i was mr mac in um uh, Valley of Fear. 
Abergavenny isn't Scottish, is it? No, it's from the West Wales. It sounds it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, John, you got a Wales question wrong there. We'll, we'll, we'll take 10 points off of that. That's East Wales, actually, Abergavenny. It's what, sorry? It's East. Is it? I thought it was on the coast. I'm thinking of Aberystwyth, aren't I? Yeah. Ah! Okay, 10 points off me. That's fair enough. Um, th- there's so much that happens in this story, Kyle. Um, th- there's lo- lovely little things that I really like, such as the... Um, we should really talk about Rucastle, just because he's great. Yeah. He's absolutely great, I think. It's, it seems a real waste of an individual, this, doesn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. I've, I've got on my notes, wouldn't it have been easier just to get a job? Because <laughs> he's a character. He obviously liked to pine. Uh, yeah. A yard of ale, yeah, probably. Yeah, a yard of ale while singing the National Anthem. But yeah, that, he does that in the radio series, which points out that people are going, you know, he doesn't. They mention that in the radio series. But why why go for this rigmarole of to overpaying someone, what, three times the going rate yeah. from London, um, then risking, as it's going, I mean, I will go on to this, but never going to jail. Risking that. Wouldn't it have been easier just... I don't know whether he had some land outside, you know, it's not... When he, when he mentions he's got business concerns, when he, obviously he's lying because he's just furious that he's seen um, yeah. Violet by the forbidden door. Yeah. So he's obviously got a big big property, hasn't it? It's got yeah. West and East Wings and things like that. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it have been easier to get a job or downsize than risk going to prison and getting a... Um, but then we wouldn't have the story. We wouldn't have the story. So. No. I'm sorry. Well, I've, I've also there's also a big thing here about about uh, Violet and his daughter. Bit of a coincidence, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine because again we wouldn't have to story if that wasn't the case. But but, but the second she walks in, he goes straight. He practically gasps, doesn't he, when she walks in? It's like yes, that that one, that one hasn't even said a word. That one definitely. This yeah. is amazing. My wife's going to be so happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And then at the end, it says they continue to, um, they lived in, he was a broken man with servants. So Toller and his wife stay on. Yeah, because that's a safe household you want to stay in. Yeah, exactly. Because they're probably worried what they're going to say to the authorities because yeah. she doesn't go to the police. Too much paperwork, I think. But but why would why would they carry on holding them on and staying in there, that property? I don't know. Um I don't know. Maybe it's mortgage-free. Maybe know. I don't. Maybe oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, it can't be much of a laugh for Mrs. Rucastle, can it? No, she's got an incredibly small part in this, isn't she? Yeah. But, but I really like the fact that she she spots the mirror in the uh, in the handkerchief ruse. I love the fact she sees that. Yeah. Well, she she doesn't see it. She suspects something's going on, and she and she hedges her bets and does the you know dismiss Mr. Fowler thing. I really like that. Yeah, it's ten o'clock. Come on, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and you don't hear much of him, do you, Fowler? No, there's a fantastic. Again, this is all from the annotated Holmes, where he says uh, Holmes is, is, is you know telling everyone what's going on at the end, and he says um, you know about you know being a sailor himself, he would have done this. And then Leslie Klinger says, "Sailor? How do you know he's a sailor? You've never met him." Yeah. Holmes never sees him at all. Yeah, he calls him. Yeah, but as a, as a sailor, as a good sailor that he is, where would you get sailor from? Yeah. All you know about him is he's he stood. He's got a small beard and he stood by a window. Ah, clearly a sailor. So, what do we think the time frame is then on him hanging about, holding fire, waiting for his beloved to? It can't be that long, can it? Surely. Yeah, because you're just going on the images of Sydney Badger with the um, with the hair length almost, aren't you? Yeah. It? So what are we talking about? A year, probably. Maybe even slightly less. That that was my initial thought when I read it. Yeah. No, it it, it is interesting. And then you never hear from um, Alice, do you? No. No. No, it's a, it's a good story. The the more you uncover the, the layers, it, it it is a good story. I really I read when I read it again last night. I really really enjoyed it, and to be honest, I was thinking all I could think of was like I've got to get to, we, we're doing Copper Beaches, which I like because I, I like I know I like the, the Burt Cools version of it, and the great Roger Hammond plays um, Rue Castle, and I like him because he's um, 
he's Sir Royston Merchant in Drop the Dead Donkey, who only appears once in the entire series, and it's Roger Hammond, so I like him for that. And um, but I was thinking, right, once I've got through this, we get we get Silver Blaze, you know, that's next. So you know, I'm really looking forward to that. But but I really started to normally when I read, um, I'm usually quite hurried because I think I've, I've emailed every single guest. As I would say, John, I better read the book now. You know, because I'll leave it as late as possible, so otherwise I'll forget things. But and so normally I'm looking at how many pages I've got to go, and I didn't with this. I genuinely enjoyed the story. Yes, yeah, it's, and it's quick, is it? Is it? I mean, you you covered it so well. Um, uh, Trevor Downey said it so well that he's so efficient with his writing. Yeah. There's no, I mean, I do like a train story. Don't get me wrong. I love it. You know, the uh, the quarter mile posts and things. But you never know how they actually get there. Yeah. Um, they're just there, aren't they? In in uh, They're running around. Uh, Watson's about to get his revolver out. There's a mention of a pub, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, it's not a check, is in, is it? I think it's something like that, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's... And also, at the end, he wraps it up because you don't need to carry on. We don't need another uh, 15 pages of the... Uh... I think I actually think it's one of the best endings because the, the worst ending is is probably the engineer's thumb where he just says, yeah, you've lost your thumb, but now you've got some dinner conversation. And yeah. that, you know, then it ends, and I was thinking, what? Come yeah. on, more than that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. this one is re- really, you know, it's I, I like the fact that, you know, he mentioned she's doing this, she's a school teacher in... Warsaw, that tells me that she she stayed in touch with Watson. Yeah. What's Watson paid attention to her yeah, again? He again, card. because she's female. Yeah. He got a Christmas card. She's done very well. Round Robin. But yeah. I, that's that's a um. One of one of the violets has sent us a card, Holmes. Isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, again. That's another Hound of the Baskervilles link with the uh, with the uh, the school teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. School teachers are evil. Everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah. <laughs> They're not. They're not to be trusted. Um, I, I, I think it's just a great story. And also, um, John, we're going to bring you on this as well. It is also because we, we're doing forty-five minutes. And believe me, the intro for this took a long time. Kyle, it really did. Um, it's it's also the end of adventures. It's the last one, as we said. It's the uh, it's the closing. It's the it's the Moonlight Mile by the by the Rolling Stones. No one's going to get that reference at all. Um, what do we think about the first twelve stories? I think very good. I. I've made a uh, play 12, yeah, if this was, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm assessing, I'm doing an appraisal, I think they're fantastic, because again, going back, they're realistic, it would be boring if he played 12-1-12, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back, what you said, he starts his first case, as you would in anything, in my, my first ever job, I lost money, in his first job, he didn't win. Um, yeah. So I've got it roughly. So if do you want to go through them very quickly? Go on, go on. Yeah, we've got time. Okay. So we've got play twelve. I've got lost. He loses scandal. Yeah. Five orange pips. Yeah. Now quite, he- quite heavily that one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a big defeat. <laughs> it's not good for the goal difference. No. Now the engineer's fun. What would you call that? A loss or a draw? I'd say that's a draw because he doesn't actually do anything. All he does is turn up. Yeah. The, only thing, the only thing he deduces in, in the engineer's thumb, we, we did this with Chantal, is um, is say, oh, I've worked out where the house is. It's not 12 miles in this direction. It's here. It's right in the middle. I can tell yeah. that. And then he might as well just like sit next to Watson on the couch and listen. Yeah, it's a bit like yellow face, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, that's all he yeah. does in the yellow face, yeah. What yeah, happens? Yeah. Oh, this, oh, great. Write that up, Watson. That's what he case, does. Case of identity, I've got that as a draw, do you think? Uh... We should really bring in the case of identity expert on this. I think that's a win. He does solve the mystery. He does solve the mystery, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It until it um it happens. So I think he wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. No, fair enough. I mean he's looking he's just, he's got a chance league finishes. So he's got he's got <laughs> he's got red headed league, he wins. Yeah. Boscan Valley. Yeah. Wins but lets it go, but he's in power there, isn't he? Yeah. Twisted Lip, I'd say that's a win, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. Speckled Band, that's a massive win, huge yeah. win. Uh, Noble Bachelor, what do you think? Draw win? I'd say, yeah, because the initial thing's is good. The Flora Miller and the yeah. Freddie yeah. thing, that's quite good. I'll give him that. Copper Beaches, win. 
yeah. It's, it's pretty good. I think, he, yeah, he's probably maybe looking at top, actually. It's not bad at all. Burl Coronet, yes. And Blue Carb Uncle. Love it. He has the power to let them off, but that he decides that. A bit like Abby Grange, which is one of my favourite cases. Yeah, I love Abby Grange as well. He, he, but he's, he's, uh, he's, he's judge and juror, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, um, he, he, he decides the case and actually probably for the fate of the world, he probably gets it right. I think. Yeah. I, I, I really like that. I, I, I think what's so impressive about the adventures, I don't think it's the best collection because he's not, not, not for a bad reason, but because he's warming up still, yeah. I think he's still warming up and he's got the next story is just huge. And, um, but I like the fact that they're so varied. It's not just who's the criminal, Holmes. It's yeah. you know, it's it's he's he's got so much done. He's 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 brought in Watson. Um, Watson will still be developed. Um, he's been rude a lot of the time. He's been rude to a king, and he solved the tiniest things, most of which weren't aren't, aren't even criminal. So I think it's a really really good collection because it's not just the same things times twelve. Yeah. Can, I, yeah. can I read something I've just noticed as well here? So when we were going through the list of the stories, uh, I was just thinking about what Holmes said on the train journey in this one about the countryside being more dangerous than the city. Yeah. So Scandal and Bohemia happens in the city. Yep. No crime. St. John's Wood. St. John's Wood. Yep. Red-headed League happens in the city. Um, crime. Bank robbery. Yeah. No, no murders, no violent crime. No, there is no case, crime. Case of identity, no crime. Nope. Boscombe Valley Mystery, country. Nice big, nice big murder. Murder. Five Orange Pips, country. Murder. Uh, uh, and city. Uh, most, mostly country, I think. Mostly country, yeah. He has killed, he has killed a Waterloo Bridge with you, but yeah. yeah. Yes. The Twisted yeah. Lip, um, city, no murder. No yeah. Blue Carbuncle, city, no murder. Yeah, Covent Garden. Special Band, country. Big murder. Big murder. Engineer's Famine, country. Murderous attack attempted, uh, and, and the suggestion that he's done it, he's killed before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, noble bachelor, um, city and no murder. Yeah, barrel coronet, city, no murder. Bad parenting. Yeah, this one country is not an actual murder, but he does, you know, go to get the dog to attack them. So there is a suggestion of violence, isn't there? So, yeah, and he's, he's yeah. clearly a violent man, yeah. He's, he's definitely got, a violent yeah, man. For this, I've got abduction, assault, and attempted murder, probably. Yeah. 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 So the, the country, you know, in these stories, is far more dangerous than the city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that continues a lot as well, because, I mean without spoilers for the next story, that's in the country, and there is a murder, but there's no murderer. But um, yes. I think, I think, I think right, so write this down, John, we've got Watson Watch, and now we're going to do City Country Watch as well, on top of this. City Country Watch. City Country Watch, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. So basically, the further you go out of Zone 5, the more chance you've got of being killed. And yet, <laughs> yeah, and yet yeah. he's known as the London Detective. You don't see that on the property ladder, do you? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Where are you going to move to? Epsom. Oh, my God, it's all over. I'll write you a nice eulogy. <laughs> um, we better come to an end because this, we've gone way over an hour here. Yeah. Now, um, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. The big question, of course, at the end is, you like Copper Beaches. I'm so sorry that you prefer Barrel Coronet, but that was my mistake. Don't, don't say, don't so I'm going to change the rules on this now for this question. Yeah. Other than the Mazaran Stone, okay. What fine. is what is your least favourite Sherlock story? I think the Three Gables. Yeah, I think that's a strong contender to be honest. One, it doesn't make much sense. It's desperate for the um, the sort of redheaded league story and the Three yeah. Gables. Also, I'm not a huge fan of the um, Wisteria Lodge either. I think that's got something clever in it, though, with Sterilos. They finally got that the, the, the ground was bone hard underneath. It's just very dark, isn't it? It's yeah. very, really dark. And um, Although, of course, that, that has another child with an overdeveloped head. Yes, yeah, it does. Got, yeah. That's another thing add to the list, John. It's, it's another baby. All babies have overdeveloped heads. But I remember. Or evil, or evil children have overdeveloped heads. Well, we've, we've got Sussex Vampire, haven't we, as well, for that? 
But I remember chatting to my dad about there's a lot of people in homes with artificial limbs. Yeah, fair few, Frank Prosper, yeah. But and um, but I remember and and then artificial kneecaps and things like I remember I remember saying to my dad, you know, but he said this is Victoria and London, you know, there's not much medicine around. And then and that brings me back that sort of homes is a great sort of educational device. How many how many different topics does it teach? Yeah, Part absolutely. English, geography, art. It's got so much going. A lot of history. Lots of history. So, so much history. I mean, going from that, that's why, you know, I, I was dyslexic. So I never re- read a huge amount of the actual stories. That's why I listened. But, you know, it's a great way to, to get into something. And um, Holmes, to me, was that sort of entrance point. For well, little... I was going to say poetry as well. He's always quoting yeah. Horace and people like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the... the old poet, as he often says, when yes. obviously Conan Doyle can't remember who said it. And yeah, that just gave me a sort of um, sort of an eye opener to to back then, you know, where the average age—I don't know—you're going to know it from your your Ripper tales. What was the average age in the 1890s? Life expectancy. I don't. Oh uh, well, and we, I know in Whitechapel that the um, was, it, was it eight out of ten children died before the age of five. Wow. In, in Whitechapel and Spitalfields, something yeah. like that. You got past the age of the like if you got out of infancy, you you know you had a chance of uh, yeah living you know um fair you know a fairly average life um most of the victims had children that didn't survive yeah yeah, yeah. life expectancy um in the 1880s 1890s um at birth the life expectancy was 56 but if you made it to um the age of 10 it would have went up to 60 um oh, okay yeah yeah because wikipedia john's good isn't he <laughs> he really is just Wikipedia. He's not reading that, you know. He just knows it. <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm Richard Osmond on that on point plus. Yeah. You are, aren't you? Yeah, you've got a little laptop there. <laughs> well, thanks very much for coming, Kyle, of, of on column one. I am Alexander Armstrong, and I'd like to thank you for coming in. Um, thank you. Uh, we will, if you'd like to come back for another show, we'd delight, be like, delighted to have you. Well, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate whether you're, it. Whether you're going to get the three gables or not, I don't know, because this, I think, again, um, we are doing a panel show for the Mazarin Stone, but uh, I think we might have a few takers for that as well. So thanks for, coming. thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Thank you. I would like to thank our hosts at Rippercast, as well as producers Jonathan Mengus and John Reese. A special thank you, too, to Andrew Firth, who created both the graphics and the theme music. You can contact us on Twitter at Adler to Amberley. Thank you for listening.